Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Empowered Podcast. Today I am joined by Drew Lasker. Drew, I'm going to let you tell everybody what it is that you do and then we'll get into some some questions about that. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to kind of witness your growth and getting to this level. But uh, my name is Drew Lasker. I'm from Houston, Texas. Arrived here in the UK September 13, 2005. And in Newcastle in particular, nearly 10 years ago to the date. So I um, was a 16-year professional, uh, retired with the Newcastle Eagles, and now doing multiple things through the media, working uh, through Sky Sports, and then obviously a business that I run from America as well. So a lot, basically. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to kind of speak to you about, and I, I mentioned it a little bit before the podcast. So you obviously had a long basketball career playing um all over England. But ever since I met you, you were always kind of doing other things as well around the around the basketball. And it was always inspiring to me, but also intriguing that you are, you know, at this level that most people were aspiring to get to. And everybody around me was always aspiring to get to this level of being a professional basketball player and doing that as a job, which you were. And then you always were doing that and, you know, conducting yourself as a professional, always in the gym, always doing those things that are required of you, keeping yourself in shape, but always had this kind of one eye on the future that I don't think a lot of people in sport in general um, had. And it was always interesting to me to, to see you do that and think, wow, this guy's where everybody wants to be. And he's got, you know, eyes on the prize in terms of what he's doing and a, an eye on the future as well. So... Did that come naturally to you? Was that instinctive or was that inspired by somebody? Yeah, I think um, it's through experience. You know, I before I became a professional, I played college basketball in California, had a great career, two-time All-American, and just assume that I would flow into professional basketball. But I had to take the the long road to get here. I, no team would pick me up because, they, you know, they said that I went to a smaller school, stats wouldn't translate, so I had to go with the traveling team, travel across Europe for a year before I got an opportunity. And I think that experience there and all while doing that, I was also working as well for Enterprise Rent-A-Car just because I had to make a living. I had to make money. So I knew coming into this profession that it could be taken from me at any time. And so with that perspective, I was always preparing for what was next because my, my biggest fear in life is, is, is being broke. Um, because, uh, you know, of my, my upbringing. And so I've always worked even through high school, um, through college as a college athlete, I've always had a job just to keep some extra money in my pocket. So along with those experience, knowing that this career could be swept from underneath me at any moment. And then also, um, as the year started calculating up and seeing a lot of guys get to the end of the road and then, and seeing the panic on their face because it's like, okay, what's next? And that kind of, that kind of scared me that, so those, those things shaped me into, I was like, I want to transition to something smoothly. And my thing is I want to do something. I want to do something that I choose to do as opposed to being forced to do something because I got to put food on the table. Yeah. So you're able to kind of build up in the background whilst you're doing basketball exactly. and build something the way you want it. I think that's something for a lot of people who want to you know, start their own business or being self-employed, having a safety net whilst they're doing it is quite often something that people overlook. And, you know, a lot, most people's bad decisions come from when they don't have 
that much money mm-hmm. at the time. You know, you make worse decisions because you have to make quick decisions. Mm-hmm. So when did you actually start the the business that you're running now? Was that at the, the start of your career or was there a, a point in there that you thought, okay, I'm going to commit to this? Well, it was at the very start. So I got a business in America called Train Harder 21, which is a basketball development program. And in 2007, my first two years, um, I would go back and I would work basketball camps as many professional basketball players do just to stay connected with the community and then also put a little money in your pocket because for most you're on eight to nine month contracts and so you're not making money uh, during the summer so it was a way for me to put money in my pocket and then in year two I was at a camp and um, one of the biggest camps in the area and all the kids seemed to really love the station that I was putting on and so at the end of camp two kids and their parents came up to me and said hey will you train us and this is before basketball development became and skills trainer became a thing. It wasn't a thing back then. Um, and I was like, sure. And now that I reflect on that, had no idea what I was doing. I was just teaching them or training them how I would prepare myself. And then, you know, so the next summer that turned into five. And then the following summer that turned into eight. And I was like, wait a minute, this is this is actually a business. And so I started doing things bit by bit, you know, got me some business cards, then made me a a cheap little website. And so, um, you know, all learning this on the job. And my my number one advice to entrepreneurs is that because, you know, yourself, the hardest thing is starting. People want to wait until everything is perfect and they got all the perfect resources to start. And that's just not the case. You just got to get started and you learn on the job because you know what? There is a pocket of people there that are that are that are proud and want to celebrate that they saw you at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Similar to me of how I see you, just like I said at the top of how I was able to see where you are and to where you are now. Like witnessing that journey is makes me want to support you. So, you know, there's another pocket of people as well, like we talked about earlier, that just wants to ride a wave and wants to wait until you become successful to join it. But uh, you, you just got to get started. So to answer your question, um, it just happened gradually at the very start of my career. I think what's fascinating with that, and I love doing these podcasts because not only do I feel like there's a lot of value that people can gain from listening to the advice that other people give, but I like to kind of plot the similarities between everybody that I speak to and the underlying similarity that pretty much everybody has is when they first started doing whatever they do, just like how you said there, it was just, there's a crossroads that they get to where somebody asked you, do you do basketball coaching? And at the time, the answer really was no, because you didn't, but your answer was yes. And it's saying yes to things that you don't currently, just saying yes in that situation, rather than some people could be like, oh, I don't do that. Or, oh, I don't, um, that's not what I do. I, I, I just play basketball. I'm not, you know, not going down that path. And I think it's it's saying yes to the opportunities and figuring it out after. Yes. You know, yeah, I can do that. I mean, I, I train myself. Why couldn't I do that? Goes from two to next year five to next year eight. And it's, they all, most of these businesses almost happen by accident, but it's all predicated on saying yes to an opportunity that somebody else would have probably said no to because they want to figure it out first and then say yes. But actually saying yes and then figuring it out is the only way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the mentality is that I will say yes to most things. And that's my motto is say yeah now and figure it out later. 
because I know that I have the mentality to figure it out. And I know that I'm willing to put in the work to, to, to excel in whatever space that may be. And when I reflect and I look at everything that I do now, you know, such as being on TV, being a reporter and doing all these things, podcast hosts, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I just agreed to it and I just figured it out and, and became passionate about it. And, and if you're passionate about anything, researching it and becoming the best version of yourself, it is just easy as natural. So, um, you know, I, w I wouldn't suggest it to anyone who does because the first box you have to tick, which you, you learn in being an entrepreneur is that many people just don't have that mentality to be an entrepreneur. It takes a special person a special individual to kind of swim in those waters but if you know that you are and basically what being an entrepreneur is is betting on yourself 100 mm. percent that you can just bet on yourself and so i know that when when there's no one else around i know that i can depend on myself because i know that i'm disciplined i'm willing to get up early i'm willing to go the extra mile i'm willing to do a little bit more than the next person so whatever the space is i know that i can trust myself to get it done and how does transitioning from a professional athlete and all of the things that come with um, the dedication and, you know, working on your weaknesses and all of those things, how have you used that to transition that mentality into business? Because there's a lot of similarities between athletes and entrepreneurs that, you know, maybe people don't speak about, but, you know, a lot of the best athletes also turn out to be a lot of the best entrepreneurs. I know people like LeBron James bring to mind, you know, when you think about people who are doing stuff on and off the court and applying the same rigorous, you know, dedication to all aspects of your life? Well, that's why I love sports because any type of sports, um, it doesn't matter. It's a carbon copy of life. You think about you, you as an athlete yourself, you think about everything that's required to be an athlete. You got to be disciplined. You got to be able to say no sometimes, not be able to go out and maybe not eat that certain thing. Um, you got to be willing to work hard because it'll get exposed really quickly. Um, you got to be punctual. You got to be show up early, be on time. And all of those things that I just mentioned are the same exact ingredients that you need to be an entrepreneur or to be successful in business. So, um, you know, that's why you see a lot of athletes transition quite smoothly into business because it's nothing that they are haven't done their whole life. You know, so for me to transition into everything that I'm doing now, it's just very natural because it's all I know. It's all I've ever done, you know, and, and, and being an athlete, you have that mentality of always wanting to be the best. And so that's that's going to keep you driven and keep you motivated where a lot of people might not always be. Yeah, of course. So moving on from, um, you know, the the business that you have in the States that you are that you are nurturing into a lot of the, the you know the television stuff that we've seen you doing the commentating all that sort of thing was that something that towards the end of your career you knew that that was going to be something you know you speak well you've got good basketball knowledge you know you've been around the league for a long time so people knew who you were and were comfortable with you was that just a natural progression or again was that something that you you fell into or is it something you really pushed for yeah it was something that just completely fell in my lap <laughs> to be honest, and like the position that I'm in now, I understand that. Uh, and that's why I take it so seriously, because I know people fight their whole lives to be on television. 
And this opportunity was just kind of there on a platter. And I just grabbed it like I've always talked about earlier. I said yes to it, knowing that I never had that type of experience. But it goes to it goes back to I'm a firm believer that everything that you're doing right now at this moment is just preparing you for the next thing. So everything that I do in life, I take seriously because I know that it's just preparing me for what's next. So I use use an example. I used to hate public speaking. Um, and I took a class in college. I mean, to the point to where the thought of having to speak in front of people the night before I'd be sick, you know what I mean? And so I took a class in college, public speaking class that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence, but then coming over here to the UK where, you know, professional basketball, you're in a community a lot and you're doing these different programs. And uh, most of the time guys, they go through the motions because they don't want to do it. They just want to hoop. They don't want to wake up and go to a school and put on a hoops for health session or whatever. And so when I was doing it, I was just always that had the mindset of I'm not going to allow the team to use me. I'm going to use them. And this is a perfect opportunity for me to work on my public speaking skills because I'm speaking to 10 year olds. They don't know if I'm doing a good job or not. You know what I mean? So like it was a no pressure environment that I got 10 years of repetition speaking in front of people that I was able kind of to, 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 to master my voice. And then that led into a podcast opportunity. And then, you know, someone stumbled across it and then, you know, approached me about doing it for sky being a reporter and commentator for sky sports and so uh, i never had aspirations of doing anything on tv or a transition into that i was just focused on my train harder business in the states and so um but by having the mentality of 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 trying to be the best that i can be and that's what's led to this opportunity and the sky sports things how do you uh do you see yourself progressing within the kind of tv and media space is that something that you're happy with where you're at at the moment or is that something where you'd like to go further into that into that you know niche and network yeah i'm hungry for more man like i am very very passionate about it and everywhere i go around the country the number one question people ask me is do you miss playing and they always were surprised when i say no because first of all i played 16 years i squeezed out every ounce of juice that i could out of the ball there's nothing else that the game could give me um but, but secondly, being in this media space is very similar to hooping. Like, I have to watch film on guys. I have to watch myself back, critique myself. I have to be prepared. And so all those traits I had as a professional athlete transitioned to this space where, um, you know, the pressure of going into an arena and having to perform in front of fans, I get that when the red light comes on because there's no, oh, let me do it again. And so that pressure that I feel, that anxiety, uh, it, it, I, I like it. It's the same endorphins as when it, you, were, you were playing. Exactly. And, I, and, and so I want that pressure because I always want to see, like, can I live up to it? Can I perform? So, um, yeah, so now I got to the point where I'm three years in and it's about to be announced soon that got a new role with the league, a kind of different role, bigger role. But, like, I want to do more. I want to get outside of sports. I think it's, you know, testament to the sort of person that you are. And, you know, I felt these sort of similar feelings. You get to the end of a road with the sport that you play and, you know, you, you're, you're, there's physical limitations, obviously, as in your body can only go in one direction when you start, you know, getting to the end of your career. You're not going to become more athletic or have more durability or anything like that. So, it gets to the point where, you know, you said that you squeeze everything out of the game, but also as a competitor, you're not going to get any better. 
So, yeah. you know, you get to that. There was probably a point in your career where you were going, okay, I'm not going to get any better from now because it would require me to put in more hours and I'm putting in the maximum amount of hours. And yeah. that's like everybody, everybody yeah. reaches their apex. And it's, is it just nice to be at a point now where you're three years into this, the, the media stuff, you're still a baby in that, in that respect. If you think about yourself three years into your basketball career and how much more headroom you had from there. I mean, three years into playing, when did you start playing basketball? Seven. Okay, seven. So, <laughs> so right now you're a 10 year old when it yeah. comes to the, the media side of things and you've got all that potential upside. You know, you've got 10 years of just getting better and better and better and better. And is it just an exciting feeling where you're back as a, a beginner in something and you can just watch yourself getting better and mastering something? Is that Does that fire you up as well? Yeah, that is exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Kind of never thought about that. But yeah, that is true, is that it's something very different from what I've done my whole life. And um, I know that I, I, I can see myself getting better, but also what excites me is that I know that I won't be limited by father time as you are when you're a sportsman because yeah. you I could do this for 40 years. I mean, as long as I had a voice, but I know that like my knees, my legs, my elbow has nothing to do about my voice and my brain. And so, um, you know, knowing that there's an opportunity for way more longevity for what I just come out of excites me as well, because I mean, if everything works itself out, I could pr practically do this for the rest of my life. Can't be a professional basketball player for your entire life. So yeah, man, it excites me knowing that, um, that I'm, I'm just getting started. Yeah. It allows you to build on something that you've already been spending so much time on as well. You know, you've already got that, that knowledge from a player's perspective too, which I think is always very unique. Like mm -hmm. when you see those guys um, and, you know, we'll use the example of when you watch kind of like TNT or something like that. And you see those guys who are, who've actually played in that league talking about it. It just kind of hits different, doesn't it? Yeah. Hearing those guys speak about it and, you know, they've, they've got some, you know, they're kind of keeping their bragging rights going as well. Yeah. Bit, you know, yeah. this is, especially if you've ever seen like, um, as ever you've seen a uh, Barkley and, and Shaq yeah. going at it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's interesting because you're staying within that that field and you, you're you just getting a chance to, you know, it looks like those guys are reliving it with the players. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think in this space that it's important to have both. Um, so you need those analysts, those commentators, those presenters that's never played because they give you a different perspective. Fans perspective. Yeah, but then on the other side, you just, it's just as important that you need someone that's actually been on the court, that's felt the emotion because they can deliver you um, a perspective that very few people can. And so that's what I love about this role is being able, um, that's what I try to do. I try to allow the fans to get in my shoes to allow what I felt so they can get on this journey with me. So they almost feel like that they were a player as well. Yeah, now that's an amazing way to look at it. So, you know, you've got the, the business in America still. Is that something that you're looking to bring over here as well? Or is it something that, you know, fits the American market more? Or is it something that you can see um, bringing that sort of side of things to the UK in the, the, the same sort of scale you have it over in America? Yeah, no, good question. I, I've, I've, I've gradually brought it over here probably the last three years, but um, I would just like to keep it at that. 
Um, I was actually surprised that there was a market for it because, you know, those type of services are typically an American service just because Americans have a little bit more disposable income to pay towards stuff like mm. that. British people aren't playing for uh, a private soccer coach or a private track coach. You know what I mean? So they're just playing club and they're keeping it moving. So um, but there is a market here in Newcastle for it. And so I'm touching it. But. Um, I'm, I'm more focused on being in the background and kind of directing things as I am in the States, just because, um, I don't have the, uh, physical capabilities I had when I was younger to do it because it's a, it's a, it's a physical job. Um, there was a time where, uh, when I was first getting started, because, you know, when you're just getting started and you're in services, you can never say no. You got to, it don't matter if you out, you out eating dinner, someone says they want to train, you got to stop what you're doing and do it because you're trying to build your business. And there was a time where I went from 7am to 7pm straight, no mm -hmm. breaks, just because I was hungry and I was trying to establish. Now I'm in a position where I can pick and choose, but I don't have the same energy to do seven to seven anymore. Interesting so. that you say that there, where when you're in services and you know, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast, who've come from like a fitness background and, you know, myself coming from a personal training background. Did you, was there a moment when you realized, because I have a very, very like prominent moment when I realized that if you get to the point where you're so busy that you start saying no to people, that the, the pendulum completely swings in the other direction and actually where you've been bending over backwards to, to service people. And I'll tell you the story of when it first happened to me, because I used to train a client at four o'clock on a Sunday every week because mm. that was the only time they could do it was it was out of the gym um they wanted to do a two-hour session i think it was three till five so if you think like i was you know early 20s i wanted to go out on a saturday every night out got cut short slightly <laughs> because i knew that i had to be ready to do that the next day yeah i was doing all of this stuff like the, the only time that they could do was a sunday it got to the point where my diary was full through the week i'd opened the, my, my gym so it was my space i had classes running you know my things shifted for me in, in a positive direction. And I said, look, um, I'll try and get one of the other trainers to train you on a Sunday, but um, I can't do a Sunday anymore because I, I need that day off basically. And I'll never forget, they turned to me and they said, oh, well, I don't work on a Wednesday. So we could do then. So for a full <laughs> year, this person had said that the only day they could do was a Sunday. I tried to move them and they didn't work on a Wednesday. Wow. This whole time. I never mentioned it. But but until I said that I couldn't do it anymore because the power dynamic switched. Yep. I didn't need them anymore. I yep. could drop that session. And then all of a sudden their diary kind of, now when they, they prefer not to train on a Sunday or Wednesday because that's their day off and they want to lie in. Now it kind of switched. Have you noticed as you get busier and you know people will start bending over backwards if they want to really work with you? Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, that's very interesting and funny. But, um, as you were speaking there, it made me think of what my mentality is now that I've been in this game for so long is there's two, two aspects to it. Your budget and your schedule is, is not really of my concern. You know what I mean? You either can fit into my price scale or you can't, your schedule can either fit for my availability or it can't. And, and, and being in that position took a lot of hard work, obviously, because at the beginning to answer your question, no, I didn't think about it because I was just young, hungry, trying to build business. And I would say, yeah, if someone said I wanted to work at midnight and that was my mentality. Yeah. But then when things started to change, um, then I can kind of fix my schedule 
adjusted to my lifestyle as opposed to vice versa. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great place to be in just because, you know, you put, I mean, it's just funny because I was just texting someone yesterday in America and we get this a lot. Um, and you would know this, the first thing that people want to do is they want to question your pricing structure. When you first starting off, you'll, you'll edit it, right? Mm -hmm. Just because you want to get that business. But now I was just at the point where, um, they text me and they were questioning and I was just like, yeah, that's our pricing structure. This is our private rates. That's, that's, that's our, yeah. this is our, um, this is our group rates and, and that's it. You, you don't you, have to justify no, it. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I will even say there's some other options out there that I can even point you in the direction of if you need it, but we're not going to change our project, our pricing structure for anyone. Yeah. Now, if I decide to, like, I want to help you out because yeah. occasionally I do. Yeah then that's my decision to make, but you shouldn't be asking me. Yeah, that's something that I would tell new personal trainers when I've, when I've trained them in the past. You know, you need to get to a position where you are in the position to help people if you want to. Yes. But the only way you can get into a position to help people is if first you set the rules yourself so that you make sure that you're looked after. Because unless you are, you know, it's the same reason they tell you to put your life jacket on before you help others on the plane. Because there's no point you get out of there and you don't have your life jacket on mm. and they don't have their life jacket. You know, you need to save yourself first yeah. so that you can save others. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. thing. You need to make sure that you're rigid and that you have set the, the, the guidelines and that you're able to make sure that your um, needs are met. And then if there is somebody that you want to work with who maybe you can see potential in, but it's out of their price range, but you know that they're a great person and that they, they deserve, you know, a hand and you, you're able to help them then it's, you know, you can only put yourself in that position because you can't help other people when you're, you're still not in a position to. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's a great position to be in to, because I, I, I do help a lot of people, but um, it, it, it's all situational because at the end of the day, when you're in services, and this is what people have to understand, is you're paying, not only are you paying for someone's expertise, but you're paying for my time. Mm. So that's why my pricing is what it is because that time, I don't really need that. Um, that time could be spent with my family. It could be doing things that I love and enjoy. So yeah. that's why I never comp you compromise. Can't it either. You can only sell it once. Yeah. So whatever price you sell it at that time, it has to be the price that you're happy with Yeah. because it's not like you can sell that time again. So it's, you know, you can, you can sell a product once and then if you've got it, you know, multiple times you can, you can adjust over time, but that time is then gone and you can't sell it again. And I think it's little adjustments as well that you find when you're in business, you know, people are, why is it so expensive or why is it this price when, when somebody else can do it? And, you know, you can just, there's so many good ways to phrase that to people to just be like, unfortunately, due to the value that we provide, we're, un we're unwilling to compromise on the value. So we don't want to give you any less value. Therefore we need the, you know, the price that we've set is the price that it required for us to give you the high value that we want to give you. Yeah. And if we, if we cut back on the, the price, then we'll cut back on the value we provide. Yeah. And we're just not willing to deliver a lower service. Yeah. And I think when you can start phrasing things like that, you know, people, if they want to work with you, they'll find a way to make it work. And that's a very political, correct way to say it. But sometimes you just have to brag on yourself, which I had to do recently. And I was like, it, yeah, I understand that our prices are above market. But the reason is, is because I'm a 16 year pro. I've been doing this over 15 years. I got two guys that work for me that have professional experience and college experience. And you get weekly newsletters, you get A, B, and C. I don't know anybody else doing that. Yeah. So that's why. <laughs> and, it's, it, and one of the guys that we had on the podcast, um, 
a few weeks ago, Yusuf from Propane, he, he said that you everything in life, you either pay with time or money. Mm. And sometimes if people are paying less money for something, they're actually paying in time and money because it's going to take them longer to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. And I think, you know, until you realize that, you know, you don't have to pay me to do this. You can go and figure it out yourself. Yeah. But you're going to have to put in 16 years of being a pro to get all the the knowledge that I can give you in, you know, I've spent that time so that you don't have to and you just have to spend the money. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it, you know, it's very, um, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But I think when, you, when you're confident in what you do and when you can, you know, provide people with value and you've got the receipts of, you know, this is everything that we've done. This is everything we've been able to achieve take it or leave it you know it's a nice position to be in isn't it and pricing is very tricky for any new entrepreneurs out there it's it was tricky for me um i i mean my prices were when i was just talking about this with my wife the other day what my prices were when i first started um we probably gone up with 600 percent since then um so uh, you, you got to put in the work first. So start anew. Don't think that you could just come out the gate swinging for home runs. You got to put in the work and you got to hustle. Um, but then when you get to that point where you have the expertise, you have the experience and you know you're in the best in your surrounding area, then um, sometimes uh, putting your prices high is a good thing because when people are researching stuff, if they see that this one service across the board costs 40 pounds, but they see this one that's providing the same thing, but they're 60, they get inquisitive. They're mm -hmm. like, huh, I wonder why they're charging this much more. And they're going to go and even if it might not fit, they're going to want to go, they want to yeah. find out why. Yeah. And so, and sometimes we think of pricing that if it's more expensive, it's better. I used to talk about the, um, and you'll have probably experienced this yourself when you were in your kind of earlier years. And I definitely experienced it. It was the, the kind of the 20 pound an hour personal trainer trap. And this is something that I've spoken about before. And it's very similar to coaching whereby if you start charging 20 pound an hour as a personal trainer, that's on the lower end. You know, when I, when I first started, I was probably charging that, but it was quite a long time ago, you know, 30 to 35 pound an hour is probably around about, average now for in the northeast and london's a lot higher and stuff like that but if you start charging 20 pound an hour as a personal trainer what happens is in order to make you know the 200 pound a day that you want to make you've got to work 10 hours yeah. back to back mm -hmm. by the time you get to client seven eight nine ten you're tired you've got no time in between your sessions you probably haven't planned properly and before you know it you're worth 20 pound an hour yeah so you're actually or even potentially even less you might you might deliver a session which is probably only worth 15 pound so because you've you know priced yourself low you're actually providing less value because you're tired you have to work more whereas if you were just you know even to you know but by the time i finished personal training i was probably charging you know well for 40 pound an hour is roughly what i was charging so if you think i can now earn what i just earned in 10 hours in mm -hmm. five Mm. but I can provide 40, 40 pound an hour's worth of value. You know, I've got 15 minutes before, before and after each session to spend with my client to, you know, make sure they're okay, plan for the next session, make sure all the equipment's out, make sure everything's taken care of. I can take two hours during the day to go and train, make sure that my body's, you know, feeling good, make sure that I've eaten and all those sort of things. And before you know it, I'm providing twice as much value. I'm making the same amount of money working half of the time because I'm not burning the candle at both ends. You know, you I, I, I would I would defeat that by one thing for me personally, because, um, again, it comes down to mentality. 
is that when I first started, I was charging, I believe it was $25 a session, and that's for an hour. And like I mentioned, I was doing from seven to seven. And when I think about how long it took me to make whatever I made in that day to now, it's a third of the time. But my mentality was always um, if I worked 10 hours, if I worked five hours, I I never let a client see me tired. Even if I were, mm. I would hide it because um, I wanted every every client to feel mm. like the energy that I brought to a session, I wanted them to feel like they were my only client. Yeah. And so I would pour it all into them. And so I still do that to this day. And that's one thing um, that I would always made sure that I did is, um, is I never would, would allow that seventh to eight hour client notice that I've been here for seven hours. Yeah. I want them to feel like I just got here. Yeah. And I made a conscious, I was made a conscious yeah. effort of that. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could have done that. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. To be fair, you know, you, you, push it as, as hard as you can, but there's, there's only so long you can probably Yeah, it's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah so, it's not sustainable yes. for sure. But um, it is about knowing your own boundaries and stuff like that. And, you know, if you can bring that, if you can bring that energy um, to every single session, then, you know, I would always advise giving everything, you know, 100% effort because for some people, you know, it's a, a, even the 20 pound was a, a, a big deal for them in terms of like the the financial outlay. So it was always important to try and, make sure that your your clients got the most out of it but you do see a lot of guys like they end up getting trapped and they get to the point where they can't put their prices up because they can't afford for people to kind of drop off and stuff and you it's very easy to kind of get into the rat race with whatever yeah. you're doing yeah and sometimes it's just a good sometimes it's just good to take a step back as an entrepreneur and say right what is moving the needle for me and where am i best like when do i actually provide my most value um, and trying to f figure your business out around that. So in terms of everything that's going on for you, what, what do you think's next? What you, what's next on the agenda? That's a great question. And the answer to that is I have no idea. You see what falls but, in your lap. And but, you what, yes. but whatever it is, I will be ready for it yeah. because I'm preparing for it right now. You yeah. know, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm open to doing all type of stuff. Um, you know, I want to I want to do uh, more interviews outside of basketball because outside of sports, because I think that will push me and get me out of my mm -hmm. comfort zone. So I'd love to do some stuff in that. And I mean, I'd love to do some acting. I have a lot of fun in my house with my kids and stuff, playing different role and role playing. I've always done that. I'm not saying that I'm an actor, but I would love to just do it just to see if I could. Yeah. Um, but just, uh, yeah, anything really. I mean, I'm open to, I, I like, I like doing things that make me question if I could do it. Yeah. And if challenges. I, if I, yeah, if I'm, if I'm questioning myself, I'll end up doing it because I got to know. Yeah. I want to see. And, and similar to you, as I explained earlier of watching your journey is that um, when you become an entrepreneur, that's why it's not for everyone, because you have to you have to not be afraid to fail. You have to not be afraid of being embarrassed because there will be times where you will be. Yeah. But you just not even it's just not a concern of yours. And you know what I mean? You will fail, but you pick yourself up and you keep going, as I've seen you and yourself and and evolve. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I just wanted to to mention, because I was, uh, you know, knowing that we were going to do this podcast and thinking back to, I mean, it was it was actually close to 10 years ago when we trained together. So mm. when we were, uh, I remember it at um, Sports Central. Yeah, there was, there was two things that you said to me 
you probably won't remember the, it's, it's funny how you might not, you probably won't remember saying these things to me, but you know, at the time I was, you know, 19, um, and you know, massively looked up to you and what you were doing. So obviously the things that you were saying, you know, they probably resonated with me. They might've been like more throwaway comments for you, mm-hmm. but there's something that I've like really thought about. And, you know, the guys will even, um, probably recognize some of these, some of these things that you said to me, cause I, I still say them quite a lot because they, they really like resonated with me. The first one is we were doing some drill and I'd never heard this saying before. It was obviously an American saying, but you were, you, you mentioned fool's gold. <laughs> and I, is that something you say often? Yeah. And basically you explained it to me cause I, I didn't really know what it was, but it was essentially, you know, not playing the drill. Yeah. It was, it was um, yeah. and, and you explained it to me a little bit after and it really resonated with me the whole time. And I, I often bring that, that saying up and you know, a lot of people don't actually know what it is cause it must be like more of an American yeah, saying, definitely. but it was essentially not playing the drill. You know, when you're in a situation where you, you can cheat the drill whatever it is, whether it's a work thing, you can cheat the drill and win, then it's not actually teaching you anything because it's, it's essentially full. It's not real gold. Yeah. You know, that's not what it's going to be like in real life. Mm-hmm. And I think quite often you see people like fall into that trap of they, they get these small wins within a, within a controlled situation and they keep doing that over and over again. But actually when you get out into the real world, that's not going to serve you very well yeah. at all. Um, and the second one, which the guys will have definitely heard me he- heard me say, is one time you said, and I don't know if you remember saying this, so I'm putting you on the spot here. You're not a boss until you take a loss. And I don't know if you remember saying <laughs> I don't that. Remember that? But you said that wow. to me. Um, I don't know what it was because I'd basically I'd lost something, uh-huh. and you were like, "You're not a boss until you take a loss." And I say that all the time now, just thinking about it. And I think it was a, a situation that you'd had where like something got kind of broken into or something when you were like something back home. Yeah. And it really put things into perspective for me that you were so like kind of chilled about it and you just didn't, it didn't phase you. And you were kind of like, you know, until you're in a position where you've got something to lose, you're not, you haven't really achieved anything. And they're just two things that I say all the time. And you probably don't even remember saying. Well, that, I mean, I'm I'm proud that I left you with some with some bars, as I call yeah. it. But I mean, it's true, man. I mean, first of all, with the fool's gold thing is that basically to expand on that, what it means is that um, whatever situation you're in, if it's sports, if it's business, and you know that there are shortcuts that you can take, uh, is the difference between taking shortcuts and being efficient, you know. And if you're taking shortcuts, you know it's just going to set you up for failure. So it's, you know, so it's just about doing things properly and doing things that, you know, that's going to translate into whatever you're doing, as opposed to doing what you're doing just to get through that moment. You know what I mean? And, um, and the biggest thing for me, and, and, and I, I was just talking to my wife about this this morning, she was telling me about, um, her job is that 90, I would say 99% of the world just complain about shit. About everything. And I like for me, if I'm not a bit complainer at all, I'm just my mindset is figure it out. Mm. Like I'm going to figure it. I'm going to I'm going to use my energy and my emotion to try to figure something out as opposed to spending 15 minutes of my day complaining about it and then having to figure it out anyway. But then you're going into it with the wrong mentality. Yeah, it it takes up so much of your time. Oh, man. Just yeah complaining about things doesn't solve anything in the short term and all you're essentially doing is 
compounding the problem, whatever it is. I like to have a little rule where if it, if it won't matter in five years, yeah. I try not to think about it for more than five seconds because, you know, if it's something terrible that happens and you have to ponder on it, but if it's something kind of small enough where it's not going to even matter in five years and you spend more than five seconds feeling sorry for yourself about it, then all you're doing is hurting yourself. Yeah. All you're doing is, you know, damaging yourself because most, most of the time, especially if you've had like a, a negative interaction with somebody, most of the time they don't even think about it again. Yeah. And like, you're kind of getting worked up on something like, and then you start creating a scenario in your head. You start building out a, a whole fabricated story of like, they were trying to screw me over. <laughs> and, and really it might've been, you know, just, you could probably account it to just negligence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not many things in this world that matters. It's very, very few things that matter. And you start to realize that as you get older, focus on what matters to you and everything else that doesn't, don't waste your energy on it. Mm. Just keep it moving. Keep it pushing. I think that is an amazing way to finish this off on that note. I think that's uh, something that people can take, take with them. Um, honestly, thank you so much for coming in. Um, like I said, you know, there's over the years, seeing what you've been able to achieve, seeing you uh, focusing on, you know, so many things and being able to excel in all of those areas has really inspired me to think that, you know, you can, you can do multiple things, which is always something that I was interested in. Um, I never wanted to just do one thing. Mm. I was always fascinated by so many different things that I, I, it was, it was difficult to focus on one thing, but I think seeing you um, achieve all the things that you were doing was made me believe that I could also achieve more than just one thing um mm -hmm. so yeah and like i said you know there's been a lot of times like kind of training with you back in the day where it's the, lo those things kind of stuck with me and hopefully you know there's people that i do stuff with now who are who are younger than me and in a similar position to i was when 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 you were when you were there and hopefully i can leave like a, a positive impression on them as well so absolutely what well, you doing it man proud of you man thank you so much man. keep it pushing keep Cheers, it moving man. yes sir